Hello, you lovebirds. So you want to date a freelancer. <laughs> Excellent choice, if I do say so myself. In the spirit of the upcoming commercial heart holiday, I thought I'd share some wisdoms with you from dating for the past 10 years as a self-employed freelancer and in a gigging for gold first. I did some quick interviews with fellow freelancers to get their take on the situation as well. Please enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sonia Thorsvik at Gigging for Gold. Today's episode started off as a joke in my mind. I was texting my fellow freelancers saying, hey, I'd like to do this podcast. And every single person responded with like, laughing or emojis or like, that's effing brilliant. So it made me think it was a topic worthy of discussion. I do imagine my fellow freelancers listening in on this and nodding your heads in agreement with everything I'm about to say. <laughs> and then at the end, kind of like hint, hint, wink, wink, sharing this with their significant other or someone they're dating or just anyone in general. Disclaimer. This is definitely not a classified ad for myself, so please do not come a-knockin'. And overall, even though this is a very serious subject, let's have some fun with it, shall we? Hmm. Now, as the digital economy matures, the barriers to self-employment decreases, and it has decreased significantly. I wanted to share with you some numbers from all around the world so that people are understanding how big of an economy the self-employed freelancer, gig work, etc. really is. Because I think when traditionally it's thought of as, oh, so-and-so is a freelancer, it has a negative connotation. And of course, I'm here to change that notion for myself and for all of us out there. But the numbers, I think, I believe that people think they're a lot smaller than they are. So let's let's blow your mind for a little bit. You know, just in case you're saying, I only want to date a freelancer, your, your numbers are about to get a lot better. So currently in the world, there are 1.57 billion, with a B, freelancers out of the total global workforce of 3.38 billion people. This is according to World Bank. So according to World Bank's data, there's 46.4% of all workers in the world are self-employed. I can't even read that number without, quite honestly, my jaw dropping and having my mind blown. That's almost half of the entire workforce on the planet. That, of course, does not include people who choose not to work, can't work, the elderly, and the youth who are technically not working. But for the rest of us, that number is astoundingly massive to me. That means half the people on the planet are in a more corporate job. And that number, of course, is only poised to grow. See, I told you it was wonderful if you're just looking to date a fellow freelancer. Half the world is, so you're fine. In the United States alone right now, so in 2023, there are 73.3 million freelancers. And then next year, that number is poised to rise to 77 million people being a freelancer. It, that's insane. If you want to go out further to 2028, 90 million people in the United States of America will be freelancing. So not only is it good for the dating pool, but I feel very confident that gigging for gold, hello, is going to be profitable and around for a long time. If the numbers continue to grow and this podcast, this business is set for helping freelancers, I feel like it was the correct decision. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So the United States heads the top 10 freelancing country list because we have the highest revenue growth of 78% out of the freelancers in the world. Okay, so here 
to facilitate the compare and contrast approach. And this is from the source Pioneer. Pre-pandemic times globally, okay, the Brits and the Brazilians had year-over-year earnings at freelancing from 60% and 50% respectively. That's amazing. That's incredible. It also revealed that in Asia, they had the strongest regional growth in self-employed freelancing up 140%. That's mainly due to Pakistan, Philippines, India, and Bangladesh. They were collectively responsible for that figure. See? All these smart people making it on their own. I love it. So if you study the demographics of the Asian countries, you'll also learn that they have a young labor force. And the youth, as we do know, correlates with freelancing tendencies. So independent work is not going out of fashion anytime soon. In fact, like we said, it's growing. So these types of conversations, in my opinion, shouldn't be laughed at like I I thought in my head this morning. In fact, they should be part of the global conversation as a whole because half the workforce and growing is part of this topic. It's incredible. Okay. (laughs) I believe that entrepreneurs and freelancers are creative by nature, right? We might not have everything figured out just yet because oftentimes there isn't a roadmap for us to follow, right? But I mean, at least we're trying. We're being courageous. We're putting ourselves out there. We're actually going and then saying, we opt out of that other lifestyle and we're going to see if we can make it on our own because we believe we have the skills and talent to do so, right? The point of this whole episode, by the way, it's like maybe some of these things can help you navigate the discussions that you probably should have with your said partner as you are going on your own journey. So hopefully at some point this resonates with you. Okay. Being a freelancer also means that the safety and security, this of course is the biggest one, that comes with a more corporate style job doesn't thrill us. In fact, it could be said that it repels us. For me personally, I before I started my other company over a decade ago, I had a few nine to five jobs. Again, I didn't even know that you could be self-employed like I just I had no idea I was definitely brought up in the okay go to school get a job pay your bills that's it you know fun is kind of like an optional thing and I just didn't like any of that mindset and so I'm here to tell you that the safety and security mindset that people think they have in corporate America or globally is non-existent I have had nine to five jobs and overnight and with being a contract worker, I have also had contracts and overnight. So I think that the safety and security is a mental mm, stimulus that we give ourselves thinking like, okay, I've been hired by this company for my set of skills and they've wrapped me in their, their offices or remote work now. I get paid a steady salary. I have the benefits. Uh, I go on the corporate retreats. My wife knows this wife, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can never be fired. That is just not true. I have had it happen to me before. I know many people. Just look at all the tech layoffs in the past couple of months. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of people just poof, overnight, their secure, quote unquote, job is gone. Okay. And again, as freelancers, like that safety and security (laughs) kind of means a cage, right? It doesn't mean secure. It means we're boxed in and we can't get out and we're probably going to go kicking and screaming. (laughs) We're also very self-motivated people. So if you want to date one of us, We're on this self-paced journey. 
And like we said, we're, we're figuring it out and making it all up as we go along. I know that with gigging for gold, eventually when I have some courses or trainings or uh, talks, right, that is something that I can package up and sell as steps to get to your next destination. But like I said, there's no roadmap for us. We're just out here like winging it. Hopefully it all works out. I don't, the statistics, well, 50% of businesses are gone after the first three years. So if you have the wherewithal to be a long time freelancer, I think that's a whole nother podcast, then you're in a kind of a different category. But all of these things definitely, definitely apply. I want to note here after I was thinking about it, and I interviewed my fellow entrepreneurs, someone who sets out on their own has a higher risk tolerance And we also, with that, have a higher chance of depression because we have more addictive personalities. So we can be very intense with a lot of things. That's why when we're deep diving into a project, like we like, you know, put our headphones on and we can be super hyper focused for hours and hours at a time. Like we have this innate driven thing to be like, I said I was going to do something and now I'm going to do it. With that addictive personality, um, and I've talked about this in a past episode, comes uh, more of a tendency to have drugs and alcohol and other addictive types of things happen in our lives. So just be aware of that. I think on the flip side, as a freelancer, you should know those statistics as well. So if you find yourself going down this path, again, know that you're not alone, but it could be due to just your nature in general. Also, if you want to date a freelancer, and I have not looked up the scientific data behind this, but I think that we probably have a higher sex drive because we're definitely looking for outlets for things. And also we're creative and we like to do things at higher levels. So that's a positive. Like I said, we do have a higher chance on the opposite side of that. So remember, as life is a spectrum and we have higher tendencies to have more bursts of energy and outlets and excitement, if you will, we also on the opposite side of that spectrum then have the ability to be more depressed or when things don't work out, we have the capacity to if we haven't done the exercises, linger in that moment a little bit longer because our emotions, right? The highest of the highs don't exist without the lowest of the lows. So if you want to date us, yes, we do go through a range of emotions and they are very intense at each level of the scale, okay? With that too, I would say that, and I have researched this too, we we probably become more... um, I don't know the right word for it, but absorbed maybe into our partners. Uh, And this is for a variety of reasons. One, because if you finally meet someone that you connect with as a fellow entrepreneur, you're like, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. But also as someone who's self-employed, you're probably working from home. Um, So there aren't any coworkers to gab with at the water cooler, right? There aren't, there isn't someone who's telling you what to do. You don't have your office wives and office husbands, you know, the person that kind of like takes on that role and is there for you emotionally. Like that doesn't exist. So let's say you're someone who's corporate. I would say also a freelancer, but let's say someone who like gets home at five o'clock and that person wants to like, tune off right five o'clock grab a whiskey a beer a glass of wine doesn't matter and either just chill for a minute they have that ability because that's what they do someone told them that they were doing that at work and that's all they have to do and and bonus for them they don't have to take that work home as opposed to a freelancer who's You know, just because the clock hits five o'clock, 
it doesn't mean that the day stops. It just means like, hey, what else is there to do? And when your partner gets home and they want to turn off and you want to be like, here, here are my successes today or here's what happened today, la, la, la. There can be a huge, huge, huge disconnect there. So that freelancer is looking for their partner to be like, hey, can I, you know, talk to you about stuff? And that other person might want to just switch off. So we'll talk about it in a minute. But those upfront conversations need to be had based on what each other needs. Um, I also with that find that a lot of the conversations are based around the job, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to know. As a freelancer, you essentially run your own company, even if it's just you, a company of one. You are the creative department. You are HR. You are your own accountant. You are your own sales team, marketing team, website designer, um, what else do you do at jobs that you're your own health insurance provider? Like <laughs> you're all of the things all the time. You're your own admin, secretary. You answer the calls. You know, you close the deals. You write the contracts. You do the scope of work. You do the graphic design. It's like, ah, right? And so, of course, naturally, if you're doing all of those things, your brain, first of all, is super smart you're so smart, you're amazing. But your brain is unable to turn that stuff off all the time. That is something that you should work on if you're going to date a non-freelancer. <laughs> but those things are very important to know in the dating relationship space because it's like, hey, uh, my partner, I thought you were a graphic designer. Like, why are you talking to me about insurance policies? You know, it's like, just be aware that they might have a variety of things that they need to or choose to talk about with you. Could be fun, though. I think it's fun. that Like, we always have something to talk about. Hmm. Going along with that, a couple of things to note on the not-haves. We don't have our own health insurance. We don't have a company that's paying for a health insurance or part of it. Any health insurance, particularly in the United States regular health care, dental, vision. We don't have any of that. I remember a time years ago when just for myself, for I don't know what the plan was. It couldn't have been that great. I was paying over $1,000 a month just for myself. And I would like try to go schedule these doctor visits. And they were like, you can't come in without a referral. But then I couldn't get the referral because I wasn't part of this network. I, I, I was paying so much money. All to say is like, we don't have those securities, right? We don't have the employer matching. So if you guys have a 401k or a 403b or et cetera, whatever you're in, or you used to have that, you don't get that anymore. Yes, you can have a solo 401k, but essentially, if you're self-employed, it's just you. So essentially, your money is going into that. But there's no extra benefit. No one is matching anything that we contribute. So we have to save even more. Along with this, and this is a negative, very, very negative, tisk tisk, everyone, is that gig workers, three out of four times get paid late. What? That's horrible. And yet, we're like, we can do it. <laughs> we'll get paid. So I think with that is just the mentality of dating a freelancer is like, again, we're, we're out there trying to prove ourselves. We're out there knowing hands down that if we're not in these get rich quick things, that we really do have products and services and anything else we're trying to provide that is going to help the world in some capacity. The strive and drive for that is so incredibly strong, even stacked up against all these negative things that we don't just automatically receive from a corporate job. 
we still say, yes, that is the lifestyle for me. I'm going in. It seems scary as hell, but guess what? I got this, right? We have that drive, that mentality, that like wherewithal tenacity where we're like, we're not going to stop just because all these things look shiny and pretty over here. It stifles my creativity and my freedom. And I'm not giving that up. Uh, that's our anthem. <laughs> I think too, personally, I know that when I am developing a new program or service package or anything like that, I do have days where I need days. I have, you know, sometimes weeks where I need to go into some deep work. So that means I, again, I have my, I have everything laid out, but those are kind of times where I can't be interrupted. And so like I'm dating someone, I have those upfront conversations and say, you know, I can schedule them out, I guess, but I can't really be disturbed in that time zone. So finding someone who is respectful of that time is a big deal. Also with this, um, it doesn't mean that we care about you, like you, love you any less. It's just that our attention needs to be focused on what we're building for right now so that our futures look better. I'm not talking about months and months and months. Perhaps that's the case for someone. But if I'm like, hey, this week I really am doing some deep dive work, but the ROI on it is going to be $50,000. I'd imagine any partner being like, get it. <laughs> you do you, you know, like, I'd be like, thanks so much. You can bring me snacks every three hours, please. And thank you. <laughs> also, I, like I said before, I think because we have a higher capacity to take the risk, we also know that money comes and goes. This is this is probably the biggest one, right? With the freedom and the money. <clears throat> Excuse me. The money comes and goes. There will be months where I'm making 30, 40,000. And then there'll be months where I'm making like 2,000. Yes, yes. The goal, obviously, if we're going to go past that six figures as a freelancer, we want more stability. But the stability that we have created with those larger contracts, right? But I'm telling you the money comes and goes. So with that, I would encourage everyone to have more in your emergency fund than the experts say three to six months. If you're a contract worker, yes, you could probably find more work to fill that up in that three to six uh, time frame. But because there's no like severance packages or anything like this, and oftentimes, of course, if you're single, you know, there's no there's nobody helping you, which is completely fine. We're very self-efficient. But I'm just saying you're going to need more money saved up for when the fails do happen. The fails are inevitable. That's okay. You can pick yourself up and move on because you've created a little safety net for yourself. Also, something that I, I think uh, this will be the last one and then we'll go into some interview uh, Q&A. But along with having no vacation, right? We, the, the paid time off. So again, it's the, it's a lifestyle that we chose, but we, we might have to work on vacation. And so again, this is probably definitely going to happen because if we're taking on contracts and clients, I often find it funny when I've dated people in the past and they're like, well, you're not working Monday, are you? It's such and such holiday. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what day it is right now, right? Because for us, weekends don't exist. They don't exist because just like the upcoming holiday, it doesn't, it just made up, right? Like, so all days can work or some days we can choose to take off, but just know that on a vacation, um, yes, we can plan a vacation, but we'll probably have to check our emails at some point. Okay, and this is the last one. I would say that 100% when you have decided to date a freelancer, the closest people around you will have an opinion. Depending, here's the caveat, depending on how you frame it. So instead of saying, it's because 
freelancers are historically known to not have stability in their lives. And everybody's like, well, why would you date someone if it's not going to turn out and be stable? Fair enough question. But instead of saying, um, this is my girlfriend, Sonia, she's a freelancer. <laughs> and I'm standing over here like, hi. <laughs> you could say, oh, please meet Sonia. She has run her own successful international marketing company for the past 10 years and she gets to work with a variety of clients all the time helping them to build up their brand that sounds much more appealing to me than meet my freelancer girlfriend right so number one if you are a freelancer it is your job to train yes train Give some prompts to your partner on how you would like to be introduced to other people. I think that's perfectly fine. And then if you're dating someone who is a freelancer, give them a little bit more credit than calling them a freelancer, right? Come on. You're attracted to them. You like them. It's not freelancer and bye-bye-bye. It's like this stunning, amazing go-getter of a human has chosen to partner with me. And that's what I think is the best part about being a freelancer. This is for my fellow travelers out there. The latest post on the Gigging for Gold website, giggingforgold.com slash blog, has a post on 30 conferences and events to attend in 2023 for creative entrepreneurs. In this list, I talk about technology conferences, creative content conferences, <laughs> photography workshops, podcasting, you name it, social media, it's there. Personally, I have been to over a hundred conferences all around the world. And on this list are about five to seven that I've actually attended in the past. So I definitely recommend them. Again, head on over to giggingforgold.com blog and check it out. So in part two of this show, I am going to share with you answers to the same question I gave to five different self-employed freelancers on this very subject. For context, I will tell you their position, if you will, but I will not be sharing their names out of privacy and love for my fellow humans. <laughs> so the first one. This is someone who is currently fully employed, but about to go full-time freelancer. This person has dated both corporate job types and other freelancers and said yes to answering this for me because they said that they now have realized that they need to only date fellow freelancers. So their response was, the whole point of dating someone is that dating can either slow down your professional life or speed it up. So the good news is it's a choice. I personally would like to date someone that would speed up my professional life. I thought that was interesting. They said, to me, it's all about filtering out expectations as fast as humanly possible because the nine to five person has a very different level of comfort. This is what we were talking about, like the nine to fives. And they had dated someone that came home at five o'clock. And all they wanted to do was jump into sweatpants and drink wine when, because they've been around people all day long. They want to decompress. But the at home freelancer hasn't been around people all day long. So then wants to like, get dressed up and go out and, you know, mingle with people. So the different level of comfort and what that means. He also said that that's inclusive of making money. So, you know, if you're, if you're more comfortable making a steady paycheck versus not knowing potentially your, your income for that month, that was a huge one. So said, I want to be personally clear about what my passions are and what my projects are 
and then find a person with those similar characteristics that will be aligned with my journey. Filtering people up front can save so much energy and time in your current dating life and in the long run. And I must say, the people that I asked, I, I, I expected the ha ha ha, this is a great episode, of course, but they really did put some time and energy and thought into this. And so I really appreciate each and every one of you. Okay, the second person said, so this is a self-employed business owner, successful, married with children, whose partner was in corporate, then was stay at home, and now self-employed again. Or excuse me, now is self-employed. So went through the process of corporate, stay at home, and now is looking for some work as a freelancer, essentially. The answer for this was similar. They're all very similar, but I want you guys to hear this from real people, not just me, who I might be real, I might not be. It's debatable. (laughs) So he says that, number one, definitely life goals must, must, must be in line. For example, one thing that has been a challenge is I want to work and make money for my future self and our future family. And that takes a lot of time, energy, and savings because I know if I can get out of the race faster, we can enjoy more of our lives later on. However, the other partner has a different mindset and wants to go on lavish vacations right now to kind of keep up with the Joneses, if you will. So he was saying that these life goals needed need to be in line. This is definitely why I'm not mentioning any names. <laughs> um, he did say that the energies need to be supportive of one another. Also, lovely and amazing. And that expectations should be set that failure failure is probably going to happen. If not, it will happen. We I talked about this before. Failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is part of success. They don't exist without one another. So having those talks up front, like he's saying, like, hey, things are at some point things are going to fail. You know, your partner, whoever you choose, needs to be supportive of that. Financial goals need to be aligned. And I think this one is very important for people to understand because I didn't know how to put this into a context, but he did it pretty well. He was like, my financial goals for being self-employed business owner is that I don't hit any ceiling. I have the capacity to keep making more and more and more, right? And I will align my mine and my family's financial situation to keep up with that, right? So we're, we're still making money through the good times and the bad, but we have an exponential capacity to make more money and we're going to grow with that. We're not going to grow like faster than that versus her who wants a very low paying job just to keep busy, who also wants to buy luxury purses. And so I could really feel that type of frustration, you know, hearing that, but I do think those can be discussed as partners. And again, these people have a very strong marriage. But it's good to know that there's people out there just like you and I, right? And then um, the last one here was the family goals, right? Like, what do you want to be known for as a family? Like, do you want to um, start or continue generational wealth, right? Like, what are you doing it for? What are the, the goals of the family? Do the kids all go to college or are you okay with them being self-employed people too like you know what are your family goals so very interesting thank you so much for that answer and then (laughs) he also wrote too he's like even though I'm hustling he like p.s even though I'm super hustling and um I would consider myself successful after years and years and years of marriage it wouldn't be so bad to have a partner (laughs) who was a little bit more stable now (laughs) so (laughs) 
That was the whole point of interviewing people. I wanted to see all sides. This one comes from a listener who is currently self-employed after quitting a corporate job. Um, So self-employed, stable there, but also with multiple side hustles as well because she wants to have different revenue streams. Good for her. Amazing. This individual is currently dating a self-employed, successful business person whose company is actually rapidly growing and scaling. That was really cool. So she's saying that ultimately it's been a bit of a challenge to have two people, two freelancers, you know, figuring everything out, particularly because his lifestyle right now is insanely hectic and there seems to be no real way for him to scale without hiring other super, super successful people in that industry, right? So that person probably needs to do the HR, the hiring, the vetting, the et cetera, et cetera, with other very smart people. So it's probably this very stressful situation. And she said he's had this happen before and tried to scale, but had a bad experience, right? So without speaking for them at all, I can only imagine those conversations happening behind closed doors, if you will, right? Like, This is super stressful, yet that person's probably scared to take that step because he experienced something negative before, even though he knows that's going to boost the bottom line. Essentially, it's scary. Like, scaling is scary. I'll give everyone that. She also writes in, so making time and making plans together, like set time and set plans, is very, very important. Otherwise, weeks could just slip by. And they don't get to see each other at all. I can attest to that. That's happened before to me too. And then also having the understanding when you do make those set plans during a set time and they fall through for some reason. I mean, who can't relate to that? So she essentially, (laughs) she's lovely and super successful and her dating life is her dating life. And that's her answer right now. And I found it so inspiring for her to write in and be like, look, dating a fellow freelancer is hectic like especially when they're successful probably triple the amount when they're successful right because they have proven themselves. now they need to scale there's a whole another caveat that comes with that and that is and this is me speaking is that once you start scaling your business and you then have to become the leader right instead of the creative person that's a whole another topic of conversation that you need to have with your partner once you start becoming successful what do you do with that success right that's a whole nother skill set you have to have maybe they have to go you know they have to learn another skill set as fast as possible and it almost seems like you're not scaling because then you have to learn something which is just right back where you were in the beginning learning how to scale in the first place anyway the next is This is a woman who is self-employed and looking to date, but doesn't really, isn't focused on that right now. Not a main priority in her life. Here's what she said, and I'm going to end it with hers with this quote. It's just perfect. Pin this on the wall. And this is from her past experience. And she was saying that to date a freelancer, someone needs to be patient. And it's going to be very difficult for you to relate to quote unquote freelancer problems, right? And she was saying everyone has work stress, but it's diff- It's a different strain when the success of a business, aka your livelihood, your, your, bu- your self-employed business is 100% on you. And how one weird interaction or decision weird quote unquote can change the bottom line in a major way of your entire business versus a traditional workspace where you know you'll get the same paycheck that you always do this is completely true it's like oh my gosh I I personally feel like freelancers and myself like I'm always living on that slight edge of fear 
because this has happened to me before where contracts just can disappear overnight, I'm like, <laughs> do, do people like my work? Do people like me? Like, how come, you know, why is X, Y, and Z happening? Am I going to get fired? Or like, if something small happens, the whole world can implode with your company versus probably if you were in a nine to five job, you'd have securities around that. So I know we can all relate to that at some level. She also says, this is really nice. On the flip side of all of that, pretty much all freelancers are after freedom, capital F-R-E-E, freedom. She said, so she understands the whole, it must be nice to just work wherever you want line that she hears all the time, but that's not exactly the case. Sometimes creative blocks and boosts come at random times. Yes. Sometimes fires need to be put out after normal hours. Yes. And there's just so much more running an actual business than just doing the thing that makes the money, right? Just like we talked about before, the fun part. So our brains are never too far from work and what and where and what, wherever we want to take our careers. It's always there. It's at the forefront of our minds all the time. So again, I'm going to end it with this for her section because I loved it. She said, there is no job description for the first or last rung of our ladder. In fact, there is no ladder. It's more like a corn maze with no end, but lots of treats <laughs> along the way that you have to find for yourself. Oh, I just love that one. And then our my fifth interview was short and sweet. This was a self-employed person who is freshly dating Love it. And he says simply, if I'm going to date someone, I want them to remember why we are doing this. We are freelancers for a reason. And that is to create that freedom and create the time whenever we want the time to be. So I do not want to date a person that says, even if they're a fellow freelancer, I'm tired for the day. Let's just sit on the couch. He was saying, I would like to date someone who's open to spontaneity, right? Like, hey, want to go here for the weekend or a random Wednesday? Yep, buy the plane ticket and get on the plane. So I love that. He was like, I want to use the freedom that we've created and take advantage of the situation and seize it like while we're alive. Mm, end quote. Because this one to me is super important. Like, I would say that most all of freelancers are open-minded. We love spontaneity. Like we're very, very structured because we're trying to run a business and make a success in our own right. But we do love that spontaneity. I would even go as far to say a lot of entrepreneurs are free-spirited and travelers, you know, whether we can afford the trip or not. But I think generally that would, that could classify us uh, there. I also describe freelancers and self-employed as brave risk takers no nonsense type of people right we've we've gone through the life we've navigated through this we've heard all of the negativity okay we don't want to hear that anymore like we're trying to do something good so i would say with that some of my golden rules on so you want to date a freelancer, is please don't call what we're doing a hobby. Very important. With everyone that I know, we're trying to make a livelihood out of it. It might stem off of a hobby that we had or have that we can monetize. Or it might be something that we dabbled in, but we think it's so brilliant and fun and able to change the world and make money that we want to turn it into a full-time thing. But I think the thing is, is don't be negative towards someone if you, if, um, if you really do you know, care for them and don't call it a hobby. That goes for parents as well. Maybe that's just me, but I don't like to be told that my new thing is a hobby. Mm -mm. It's more like world takeover. What's the, what's the quote? I'm a millionaire. They just haven't paid me yet. <laughs> I like that one. Do 
help celebrate their small wins. I think for a contract worker self-employed, sometimes the small things that happen in a business are actually massive. Like they're massive. Like um, signing on a new client, if you're in the service-based industry, is no small feat. But, but even getting the contract out the door, like... Most of us weren't put on this planet to make contracts, right? We're like, we're too creative for that. But the fact that we sat down and did it and thought out all these thought processes and la la la, that could be a win. Celebrate the small wins. Like, uh, and this goes with the gift giving. It doesn't have to be a thing. It could be really cool to get um, the self, the, the person that you're dating, get them a gift that enhances their business. Like, I always thought it was such a good idea for someone to be like, uh, you started a small business. Like, here's it's like a gift registry for small businesses but like here's some software that you're going to need i got you a year subscription for this you know something you would never buy for yourself because you're trying to bootstrap and bring it up or like um a massage is always good we're probably behind the computer a lot so just like little things that could enhance their life celebrating small wins with them like you know you've chosen them to be in your life help celebrate and in turn we'll do the same for you and I would say for this too, um, please understand some of the boundaries that we may have. And this one's a big for me, just because we work from home doesn't mean that at the exact same time, we're there to take care of the house as well. We are working out of this space. So that doesn't mean that you come home and there's dinner for you. Maybe sometimes, sure. That doesn't mean that I've spent my break on my career path cleaning the house. Uh-uh. So I know some of my people are going to like that one. But it's just a rule for me. Guys, did you know that the global gig economy is growing to $455 billion by the end of this year? So I love that people are like, oh, where are all the jobs, la, 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 you can create it yourself. Guys, $455 billion. So out of my own experiences and out of those interviews that I've done, I think that we can ultimately all agree on a few golden nuggets here. First and foremost, do you have the guts to date an entrepreneur? Hmm? Do you? <laughs> If you do, the upfront conversations are a must. Everything that is a little bit difficult to discuss, you need to discuss it. Some of those are going to include expectations about knowing that failure will happen and money. I think that when failure happens, a great, great way to hold that conversation is asking the other person, if you're a partner with them, right? How long are we willing to sit in the failure? And this would include whatever timeline that you need, but you need the recovery time to happen eventually, both for mentally and financially reasons, right? So, for example, you would say, hey, us in the future, when our first failure or setback happens, how long do we think that we have mentally to mope and complain before we pick ourselves up off the ground and move on? I, I find it a vital conversation to have. Also, because it's going to hit you financially because you're trying to run a business, how long can we survive without bringing in money? If you two choose to split expenses or have conjoined bank accounts, you guys do whatever you need to do. But that person won't be bringing in money for a little bit of time. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's three months, depending on the level of contract that ended or something happened in their business. Or even just like um, you're on the computer and in your hands. What if you broke a few fingers? Like, you know, 
issues that are going to arise. As a couple, how long are we willing to sit in that failure before we move on? I will say this, you're going to need a bigger emergency fund as a self-employed person. You just are. I think we talked about that. But it's very important. And when that time has come up and expired, let's say you as a couple said, I'll give us a month to sit around and feel bad for ourselves. That's a long time. Um, and then we are going to, you know, network the heck out of ourselves, take some new headshots, feel better, like get back out there. Um, and they're not doing it. And they're still complaining to you. So that's up to you to stick with them or not. But I'm saying <laughs> what you can do is ask them, like, if they're complaining to you and the time has gone on, you say, do you want to vent right now or do you want solutions? And if they can't get their shit together, then that's a whole other problem. Also, you can work on making a manifesto together. So like my company has a manifesto and I have a personal manifesto. Uh it takes a lot of vulnerability to share that with someone, but I think if you can write your manifesto in a way that really like, you know, like every day you will read this and that's how you're going to live and dictate your life and you have one together, that's really cool, right? Why not? You also need to talk about your non-negotiables. Like I, I will not do this or... I was looking for these five things in a partner. That's nice. You have either all of those things or you have most of those things. And the other things I realized after meeting you don't really matter to me. But here are the things that are absolutely not going to work with me. I talked to a friend about this earlier today when we were going over his answers. Like mine was, I can't have my partner be racist. Yes, there are plenty of racist people out there. I was like, just, just, a, just a no, hands down. No, no, no. Uh, smoking cigarettes, not into it. Don't, don't care for that lifestyle. And so you need to make a list of non-negotiables. Like if your partner starts doing X, Y, and Z or already does them and you find out secretly they do them, bye-bye now. <laughs> uh, so I would like you to write in questions that you have after listening to this podcast. Because this one, like I said, it started out as a joke. I did some research on it to try to get some stats to make it sound like fun but exciting and realized there wasn't a lot of information on it. I think it's crazy. Because if the estimates prove to be accurate, half of the U.S. employed population in the very near future is about to be a freelancer. So my friends... As your honorary Cupid for this morning's afternoon and evening, thank you very much for listening. I hope you find love out there. I hope that the arrow strikes you right in the tush and that you find someone equally aligned to your vision and your values and then someone who you can talk to openly about your excitement and fears and they want to have those conversations with you. I hope you have a great day. Like that episode and interested in learning more on how you can make your first six figures? Head to giggingforgold.com with all the episodes and blog posts for you to explore, listen, download, and read.